TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. Squaring and a squeeze play. Buxton will score. And the ball rolls away. Drilled to center. Buxton's back. Makes a catch against the fence. Long throw to first base. They got him. What a throw by Buxton from the center field fence on target to C.J. Crone. A deep drive to left field. Deep to the corner and gone. A home run for Buxton. Again on two strikes. Yeah, Buck, um, I mean, which play was that? <laughs> there was a lot. No, seriously, that, that, that was happening. The play up against the wall was just, I mean, again, he can do things that other people just can't do. And, you know, just getting just getting to the ball and making the play, you know, he makes these plays look sometimes um, not easy, but he makes them without extraordinary Buck-type effort. He's unbelievable. <laughs> He's... And he's ours. He's Byron Buxton. We ain't trading him. Yeah, it's exactly right, as our good friend Patrick Royce would say. Byron Buxton is the best center fielder in baseball, and you won't catch any debate on that after the plays he made this weekend in Tampa St. Pete. This is the Score North first place twin show. Those highlights, I believe, were courtesy of Fox Sports North. Mm -hmm. Manny Hill's producing the show. Judd Zolgad takes over for Rami Makloff. We took the keys from Rami. He was uh, too drunk on Twins Kool-Aid to drive, so Judd is now officially in the driver's seat of the Bomba bus. Welcome to Bomba Soda, Judd. Rami is not going to go quietly, though. No, he's not. He's, I was surprised. He's going to be surly about he this. He was indignant. He, yeah, he's not going to give up. I, I explained this uh, to him on the Friday show as well, the, the fact that because I'm the only one who actually watches the gauges. And Rami's like, oh, I got the gauges. I'm watching. I'm like, no, you're not. You're threatening to come in, in the back of the bus. Can I give you, so that Byron Buxton play uh, that brought an end to the third in Tampa. You're talking the double yesterday. play against yes, the center the field wall. the double play against the center field wall, which, by the way. Unbelievable. The only reason that play was made in its totality to include the double play was because he's playing deeper now. If he's not playing deeper, he makes the catch, but he bounces off the wall and falls down. So the the fact that they've got him deeper, he basically had no problem because he's so damn fast going back to the wall. He didn't collide. He brushed it, which is, I think, the goal now, and then made that throw. It was beautiful. Here's the stat cast information on on that one-hop throw to double up the uh, Tampa Bay runner. Now you're speaking my language, Judd. 303 feet at 97.1 miles per hour. And, And Rocco is wrong. His center fielder makes it look easy. Yeah. He does. Like you can, you can. We can talk all we want about the true difficulties of that play and the greatness of that play, but this kid makes it look as simple as anybody I've ever seen, and that is why. And and I did a uh, a um, Twitter video this morning on this, and I wrote this last night. I think there's a case to be made, and I'm going to word this very carefully because people are going to hear best, and they should not hear best. Byron Buxton right now is the most exciting player in MLB. Price of admission, exciting. So I'm not talking the best player, and I'm not talking the most, you know, you're you're not going to go watch him hit prolific home runs, Derek Wetmore, but you give me that short list of guys who you would prefer to see play, and if you go to the ballpark, 
you stand a very good chance of seeing something that A, you have not seen previously, and B, the guy makes look easy, and you say to yourself, that is off the charts. I thought Rocco Baldelli nailed it, and I can't tell if he was trying to be funny or if it just came off as humor when he said, which play was that? Somebody must have asked him, hey, what about that Buxton play? And, yep. you know, we would have probably said the double play because that's so rare. You have to have just a crazy good arm to even uh, try to make that throw. And he made it, got him out of the inning. But there's the other Buxton play. Plays, I should say, which to your point, makes him the most exciting player in baseball. He was picked off first base in that game. Yes. Dead to great. rights. I love this. Yes. Over. You, sorry. Yep, you're your best hope is that they bungle it or something like that, or just that you're not out by that much when you get thrown out. So it's not that embarrassing when you have to jog back to the dugout. Not only did they not make the play, they threw it into center field, left center field, because Buxton, I think it's because he's so fast. They're like, oh, shoot, we really got to get this there. Otherwise, what do you do as a first baseman? You step off towards the pitcher's mound. You can take two, three steps, pat your glove if you want to, and fire with the correct angle that you're not going to hit the runner. Yep. Buxton is so fast that he tried to throw over his head, ends up in the outfield. Buxton takes not only second, but third. And then safety squeeze bunt. Jorge Polanco goes, what, 15 feet? Yeah, it was not a great. I mean, it, yes, it was. Couldn't have possibly. Everybody, every normal human being trying to score from third on that is out. Or or aborts and tries to go back right, to they third. They turn around, turn around halfway through. Yes, you're and exactly right on this. Buxton not only doesn't doesn't hesitate, he doesn't even think about abandoning ship at that point. He's like, no, I'm going to score. Puts his head down, dives in a home plate, head first slide. Couldn't have flipped it to the home plate uh, to the catcher any faster if you're the pitcher sprinting off the mound there. And Buxton's safe, no contest. Mm-hmm. I mean, most exciting player in baseball. The combination of the two things that he can do, which, by the way, we're not even going to talk about the three run homers and the doubles, because that's part of this too. And people and and normal people can do those things. Sure, yeah. we're we're talking about. I mean, not you or me, but no, you but know, Mike normal, Trout can do those exactly. Things. But we are in, in the case of the catch and throw to get the double play in the third, and, and then the play that you talked about that transpired in the fifth. You tell me how many people who play that, that sport, and maybe Trout can, but how many people... Trout's not making that throw. So, right. No so chance. How many people who play this sport right now can do those two things? Right. And and this also uh, stems back to our longtime conversations on this station about this is why Byron Buxton just needs to simply get on base, and he doesn't even have to be a superstar. Like, he doesn't have to hit 320. If he hits 265... He is an absolute nightmare. Pitchers hate him. You're right. The Tampa first baseman panicked. Yeah, yeah. And rightfully so. Right. Rightfully so. But that, that was that was almost such a bad play and throw that, that you said to yourself, I wonder if he should have just eaten the baseball. Yeah. Because we by, had him dead to rights and I'll just swallow this. Yeah, because I don't want to throw it <laughs> in the left. Right? And I don't want him at third base. Oh my and then goodness. this is, but watching this guy play now and and just, I, I think the best word is nightmare. The nightmare that he causes teams who don't ever have to deal with guys like this pretty much across the league, but they do with Byron Buxton, makes him, I think it's pretty simple to say, the most exciting player in the game right now. You could even go a step further on that play. We're really diving deep in the weeds, but that's what we do on the Score North Twin Show. It's... Uh, Perfect canvas yeah. on which to paint. What are the other shows you get to talk about? How the intricacies of the center field defense here? What do you got the got scorebook. 
No kidding. I got the scorebook from yesterday. You so sure do. We are diving deep. Do you circle plays? Uh, I highlight plays. Okay, yep. yep. Yellow, good. and I think I do pitching changes in green. Very good. When the origin of Five Thoughts, which, by the way, the newest Five Thoughts will hit the website, scorenorth.com, later this afternoon. What the origin of Five Thoughts would be, what were the five things that I circled on my scorecard that day? Yeah. that that Both of those bucks in place, by the way, they're getting circled. Look at my scorecard. I've got them both, <laughs> yeah, uh, both exactly. highlighted in yellow. Yeah, I'm amidst the chicken scratch. Sorry to yeah, out well, you for not, that. Oh, it's not good writing. The, I've got no skill when it comes the to The center field play that he made is somewhat of, like, there's a little bit of sports genius that goes into it. Like this, this, this innate ability, because the runner in that case is thinking what this ball is probably going to land. It's either a home run, in which case I'm walking home or it's going to be, you know, off the wall. There's no way he catches that. Yep. So because he has such a good arm, I need to give myself enough of a head start here that I'm going to be able to score potentially if that bounces off the wall and Max Kepler's throwing it in or Marwin Gonzalez is throwing it in. But Buxton catches the ball. There was that little bit of extra gap because the runner tried to cheat a little bit, get to that spot where you could potentially score if it falls in, which nothing falls in from Buxton. That was mistake number one. Mistake number two, that arm is good enough to W off at first base. And CJ Crone just kind of like played it cool, played it cool. He's standing there at first base at the last second, lunges for it, you're out. Mm-hmm. How's that feel? Mm-hmm. It's a play that, you're right. We could probably go through and pick. There's maybe five center fielders in baseball that can make that play. But it, it's a play too. But were you surprised at all that Buxton made it? I was no, not. I but, was not for one second. That, that's a play, too, where if you scouted the Twins, you would have said he's going to be playing shallow previously. He's going to hit the fence, bounce off the fence, and go down, and either have the ball, in, in which case there would have been time to get back to first base and not get doubled off, and, and or to your earlier point there, Derek, it would have bounced away from Buxton, and the guy scores from first easily. Right. So so the scouting report on Buxton now and his uh, prolific defense has to change because he is playing deeper. He now can go back to that fence, brush up against the fence, but not collide with it, and then come back and make that throw. Point's well taken on the scouting report, but I got to think that the, the Rays are a forward-thinking, progressive, stats-savvy organization. They probably listen to the Score North First Place Twin Show. As part of their scouting report. Down in Tampa, <laughs> anyway, why are you right? laughing? <laughs> yeah. So, sure I, and we've been talking about it for weeks. Because, yep. Judd, you brought it up that it just this, uh, this uh, Zolgadian paranoia, which is completely founded, that Byron Buxton is going to lose significant playing time if he continues trying to tackle center field walls. And in this case, he's now the Twins. To their credit, too, have sort of taught and curbed this behavior to where now he's running back to the wall, feeling the wall, absorbs the contact. Correct. Like a quarterback getting crushed. Correct. And then gets up, throws a pee. Beautiful throw, 97 miles an hour. That's why he was a a pitching prospect in high school. I mean, that is an arm that you do not see many players make. It's an arm that many players do not possess, especially an arm that you don't see paired with speedy center field defense if your name's not Byron Buxton. I don't know if he's going to make the all-star team this year or not, but that type of play, that double play that he made, that makes you want to see him in the all-star game. Because you want want to see plays like that happen on the biggest stage of of the middle of the summer, of the middle of the baseball season. You want to see him have an opportunity to make a play like that on that particular stage. Well, it's going to be interesting because the way the all-star voting is done this year, this is probably another show for another day, but just real quickly, 
He's not going to be one of the top three, you know, outfielders, whatever that's going right. to get voted in. They're just they're superstars. It's a popularity contest. Alex Cora might have an interesting decision to make on his hands if you know if managers and coaching staffs are still picking these things for the to, to fill out the bench and the rest of your roster. You telling me you don't want that guy in innings six, seven, eight, nine, patrolling center field, trying to hold down a lead? I know it doesn't matter as right. much as it did for years, but it's still but baseball should care. All kinds of fashion. But baseball, Byron Buxton, it's marketable. Byron Buxton is the type of um, freakish athletic talent that if you're baseball, you want him out there. Well, but they only care about dingers now. So okay, well I can convince them. Rob Manfred, <laughs> Joey Gallo, watch this kid play. Yeah. Watch this guy play. And when you see, because he he brings an element to the sport that that most people simply can't. No, you're right. I mean, and that that game he made that game on Sunday. I thought a delight to watch. Oh yeah, the bullpen made me want to puke. Odo was fantastic, but Byron Buxton made that game a sports fan's delight to watch. So I'll never say a nine seven game is a is a delight to watch because that's disgusting baseball and runs are the enemy and pitchers duels are forever. Well, you got one from the starter. The starter was fantastic. That's it was right. the bullpen again. There, well, there wasn't a lot of dueling. There wasn't a big duel put up on the other Hello, side of things. Hello, Craig Kimbrell is all I have to say. <laughs> Hello, Craig Kimbrell. In fact, I'm seeing a, a tweet. A Twitter photo hit the wire here on at score north. You can go check that out on Twitter right now. There's a Manny. We took a little break between the first and second segments, and uh, we had a little bit of fun with Craig Kimbrell Day. I'll just say that. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone who's going to go check it out. But that bullpen meltdown almost makes you forget about two fantastic things that happened. Really, three. I'll put three things that were fantastic for the Twins on Sunday. In St. Peter. So, Mitch Garver's back. Hooray! Jay Coderizzi. Yeah, but he got hit again. He got hit on the hand by a pitch. I thought he broke his hand for a second. Yeah, I thought that wrist, that could have been That did not look good. We'll see. Off day to day, that helps. But I don't know that you can help the pain that you feel with that. Yep. Uh, Jay Coderizzi, sensational. I mean, no surprise. That's just Jay Coderizzi. Uh, his numbers this season are bananas. In fact, we've taken to referring to him on this show as ALERA leader, Jake Odorizzi. He's no longer just Jake Odorizzi. That's below two. 1.96. And if you take out that clunker uh, in, was that uh, Philly? Where it's kind of wet yes. and rainy? Yep. I did Friday the math. Night, Friday night in Philly. 1.41 ERA for Jake Odorizzi Ooh. on the season. So, uh, ERA leader Jake Odorizzi was fantastic again tonight at his former home. Did it with basically just fastballs, and it was an amazing outing. Third thing that was great for the Twins was Byron Buxton was flexing. Maybe he was on full Byron Buxton display. That is the player that you'd hoped you saw when you drafted him in 2012 with the second overall pick. You thought, one day this guy's going to be taking over games in every phase in the majors and it's going to be for us. That's what the Twins were hoping, and that's exactly what played out on Sunday. How about uh, also a former Ray that I'll throw in the mix here, C.J. Crone again. It's unbelievable. This has been, I thought to myself, okay, if the Rays are not going to keep him, they saw something they clearly did not like. They then don't want to have to pay him, which if they saw something they don't like, I get. And I thought, okay, he might be okay. But C.J. Crone offensively, and more importantly, or just as, defensively, has been a massive find. 
This guy has so for ev- for everyone out there who complained about Joe, right? Mauer, he doesn't have power. How's that a first baseman? And we all said, well, he brings things, and he's you know great in or he he turned himself into a really good fielding first baseman. Eventually, I thought Derek C.J. Crone has been everything that those people wanted. He's good defensively. That's right. I'm not. He might not be a Gold Glover, but he's good. I think at least. Yeah. And offensively, he is every every aspect of the things that the Mauer bashers complained about. C.J. Crone provides you. It's. I was writing about Jason Castro a couple of weeks ago, and I thought well, Jason Castro is a nice story. Mm-hmm. Coming off surgery, life is good. He's hitting. He's catching as part of the rotation. He's one of the leaders in that room of prepping for series and planning for specific hitters and games and all that stuff. It's all good. And I thought to myself, exactly something you just hit on. There's not one story on this team. There's not two stories. There's not three stories. You could run 15 stories deep of like, oh, that's a great story. Before you get tired and like, ah, oh, you're, you're stretching a little bit. Adrian's is hitting a little bit above his career average. Like, yeah, okay, you're stretching. Right a now, bit. you're yeah. CJ Crone's a great story. I mean, I'm not going to go up and down the roster, but you could. Yep. You could go to the coaching staff. You could go to Rocco Baldelli. You could go to the implementation of analytics, research, and development, and how that's all blended together so well. You could talk about draft strategy. It is draft day, after all. Did you do your mock? No, a baseball draft. You know what? Go get them, boys. Get That's all I got to say about the baseball. You trust draft. Sean Johnson Go at this him, point. Sean. Yeah, we believe in you. You're going to do it. Go and get those, him, Thad and Derek. My take at the end of the day is be like, Twins did well. I thought they every, did well for himself. Every guy. That, Just copy paste that, that take. That the Twins picked up, who we thought to ourselves, I wonder if they can do this or that. Every one of those guys, I believe, has contributed. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an scope, example. Scope coming off a bad year. If you want to go back to Addison Reed last year, that'd be the one. Oh, down. no, no. I, no this, I, I'm this saying two, 2000, um, 2019. Mm-hmm. Scope, marvelous. Gonzalez, who, who's been up and down at the plate, but he plays everywhere and is the ultimate professional. Cruz just got reinstated from the uh, 10-day IL today, but he provides a lot, right? CJ Crone, the entire list. It's the entire every everything that went wrong last year, as far as well, this guy washed out or that guy washed out, has been the exact opposite this year. We definitely have to talk more about ERA leader Jake Odorizzi today. We also have to get to a certain unsigned closer, and there's a starting pitcher out there too. But Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel today should be the day. It might not be. We'll see. We'll talk about it on the Score North First Place Twin Show when we come back right after this. Chats. The Score North Twin Show. Have you guys ever wondered what it's like to be a twin? On Score North and scorenorth.com. Yeah, it's a pretty awesome thing that we keep talking about this. You know, we play a lot of games. You're going to lose games. You're going to have some rough nights. But it feels like almost every time our guys come back and um, they return to the very high level um, that we've been playing at for a while and they, they get back to it pretty quickly and really there's not much discussion about it it's just a bunch of guys uh, conducting themselves in a professional manner score north twin show zolgad wetmore manny hill and uh, that was rocco baldelli following the twins win yesterday nine seven in tampa in which they uh, got blown out 14 to three on thursday 
and uh, overcame all the obituaries that were written about them as a team to then win the next three games. They maintain as the best team in baseball. And after that loss on Thursday, I looked this up, and it's now uh, improved, of course, by another game. But in the immediate aftermath of a loss, Derek Wetmore, the resiliency of this Twins team, they are now 12-3. and They have, I don't believe, lost more than two games consecutively all year long. And there's something here about the fact, and and I understand that the uh, term momentum gets thrown around a lot in sports, and it's used inaccurately. But nonetheless, when you can come back 12 times in the course of two-plus months of a baseball season, and the losses are just like, ah, whatever, we're done. <laughs> and, and for that not to impact you and to be as as resilient. And if I'm correct, when they went to the uh, wildcard playoff game, Derek, in 2017, yep. Molitor's team was resilient. That team also bounced back. Oh, yeah. But I would say that this is more off the charts. Yeah. That team's resiliency was front office sold at the deadline. Screw them. Let's go win some baseball games. I think that's a fair way to put it. And this year's resilience is, ah, we dropped one last night. All right. Let's go win six in a row. We're that good. And we know it. I don't sense an arrogance coming from that Twins clubhouse, but there is a very palpable uh, moxie. Confidence. It is. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Very clear. You talk to yeah. Rocco in his little, uh, in, not in the office, but I'm talking after games just over in the side, like the equipment closet, whatever that thing is that we're doing post games. The garage door goes now. open yeah. and we all go inside the garage. Yep. Great. But there is this, whether it's a win or a loss, yeah. you kind of know the tone you're going to get from the manager. And I sense that the players feed off of that a little bit. Yep, I agree. There is this quiet confidence of, okay, if they, if they won, it was, yeah, it was a good win. Here's what we did well, and uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. If they lost, it's, yeah, too bad it didn't go our way tonight, but here's why we're going to win tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Period. It's, it's born of Baldelli, but I, I would also say it extends way into the clubhouse. Cruz is like that. Yep. Scope is like that. Yes, he is. Gonzalez, ultimate professional. CJ Crone is like, like that. Exactly. So, so, and, and this is the thing, Rocco's done a great job and he deserves credit, but the construction of that clubhouse, Derek, is also really, really key. And, and here's the other thing that I'm beginning to figure out about Rocco. And and I think this extends to Derek and Thad too. You know, Rocco's a laid back type of guy, right? He doesn't take things too seriously, certainly does not scream and yell, but this guy's competitive fire runs as deep as anyone I've seen. And I'll give you an example from Sunday. And this was, was in retrospect, a smart move because of how the game went. By the time he did this, you had no idea. I believe it was the sixth or seventh when Gonzalez uh, threw the ball. And I believe the Tampa guy was trying to go first or third to Snow. And Snow applies the, the tag. And at this point in time, it's seven nothing twins. Snow applies the tag, and the guy's foot does slightly come off the bag. It was one of those after the fact. And, tags. Yeah, and it's the type of review I absolutely hate. Yeah, but what I lo- but what I loved about it was Rocco up seven on his old club challenged it. And if you notice, he does not argue, but he comes out and talks to umpires in an inquisitive way a lot, asking about a lot of things. This guy has his his demeanor is one thing. And I think players appreciate that. But there is no question 
that if he can basically shove it up your you you know what Rocco Baldelli is going to do exactly that and I and and here's another one here's another Twins move Derek Wetmore that they tweaked from a year ago and, and it might be uh, partially because of what, what Rocco's message is they tweaked it but they didn't change it completely uh, Thursday Zach Littell, right comes in and gets hammered eight runs. Like seven or not I drunk. He just gave up a he lot got, of runs. Yeah, yeah, he got just hammered. Yeah, a year ago on Friday, the Twins sent him out. This year they waited until Sunday, and I think it was uh, we got to tell him. And and post game on Thursday, Rocco thanked him profusely for basically coming in and getting shelled, taking the bullets. Yeah, <laughs> but but again, that shows you what that shows you almost a strategical. We'll get you a few more days of service time, kid. We appreciate what you you did. Big a league year, checks a year ago. I think he's in Rochester on Friday, and but this the foundation of the people that run this team might come across as laid back, but I be, I believe in their heart they're incredibly competitive. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. And I want to before we get too far away on the whole um, resiliency. I talked in the first hour of this show on your Golden State Warriors theory, where I bet you, and I, I don't know the stats, but I bet you if you went and pulled up the stats on their points per one hundred after they give up a bucket, I'm guessing it's pretty high. It's a really good scoring team. So we could spin that to be a narrative of like, oh boy, they just don't let anything get them down. They come back and they fight and they do it. I could come back on the exact same stat and just say, yeah, you know what? They score a lot. So of course they're going to score a lot when they're down. I think the same of the Twins offense. Not to compare them to the Golden State Warriors, but there you go. I just did it. You did it two weeks ago. Yeah, I think it's Here right. we are. Yeah, They score a lot of runs in inning after the opponent scores. Yes, they're the best offense in baseball. They... Win a lot of games the day after they lose. Yeah. They win 69% of their games. They don't like losing, so they just win. And I'll also spin a sports cliche on its head here because the baseball truism that's been around at least as long as I've been covering the game is momentum is tomorrow's starting pitcher. (laughs) Love that phrase. I love it because it gets us out of the, oh, boy, you guys are really hot right now. Do you think it's going to feed into it? No. If... Michael Pineda goes out there and doesn't pitch well tomorrow. This momentum doesn't mean anything. Conversely, if Jake Odorizzi goes out there and doesn't give him a chance for six innings to score a run, and he gives up three runs in the month of May for crying out loud, like, yeah, you're going to win a lot of those baseball games. Tough to lose when you don't give up points. Right. In all sports. Right. So I think there is something to this whole momentum is the next day starter. In this case, it's not only the starting rotation, which has been great, even when you turn to a guy named Devin Smeltzer and ask him to start an important game for you, he he does it. He pitches incredibly well in his MLB debut, one that we'll remember. This offense is also scoring like seven runs a game right now. It's pretty easy to win baseball games when you do that, too. Mm-hmm. So they both play off of each other, and it's like, I'm not taking anything away from like the, the, the bravery or the chutzpah of that clubhouse. It's just important to note that it's a really stinking good team in there. That's and, of course, they're going to score a lot That's of runs. That's the key. This comes back to everything the Twins do that we talk about indicates that this is a legitimately really good team. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's best offense in baseball. The Rays are, the Rays are good. The That's Rays good are good. Team. They beat you 14-3 to and then lose three at home to That's you. Team. This Twins team is 
all of these conversations lead you down the path of this feels legitimate. Did I give you the uh, May stats or? I gave them in the first hour. Okay. I don't know if you and I talked about this or not. No, I don't Okay, think so. so I'll be surprising you with this. This is good. Yeah. I know the record's off the charts. So in the month of May, the Twins as an offense. I'll just go really quickly through them. Because you won't be surprised by any of this. Home runs for the month of May as a team. First, 59. Mm-hmm. Runs, first, 191. Strikeout rate as an offense, fourth, 19.4%. That's above average. Uh, Woba for the stats woke. Second in the majors, 366 across that time. If you're not big on Woba, the leaderboard, stuff like that, that's fine. Here is who had a 366 Woba in the big leagues last year. So you know how the whole Twins offense was performing. Collectively, they hit like Javi Baez, Jose Altuve, Charlie Blackman, Francisco Lindor, circa 2018. As a whole team, they were an all-star plus hitter. It's it's remarkable. That's not over, uh, oh, they got hot for a series, or oh, that momentum really carried them. This team is legitimately that good. They did it for an entire month. It's unbelievable. I, I'm running out of superlatives oh, yeah. for the ago. best offense in baseball. That's why we call them Bomasota. So with, with all those things uh, being factored in and with where this team is at right now and the opportunity that presents itself, Kimbrel, yeah. how hard should they pursue him? Well, I don't know why he's not signed right now. And, and I'm not saying in Minnesota. Like I, I don't know he why. Be, he might be trying to get more. But why didn't you? Who, I mean, who knows by this right. point? I told you that this whole thing's goofy. So, but if, I, I'm way more Kimbrel than Keiko. The Keiko thing, I think you can find a starting pitcher in a trade, and I will make th- that trade eventually. The Kimbrel aspect really intrigues me because this bullpen definitely—I don't care what anyone says to me—this bullpen could use some help. So I think you can find both in a trade if you want to. But now you're talking about a lot of prospects if you're trying to go get that's impact my, guys. That's my feeling. So that is where I stand. And my whole thought on this, we talked to Mark Tompkin of the Tampa Bay Times last week, kind of preview the race series, get his thoughts on Rocco Baldelli. And and, and he was great. If you haven't heard that interview, it's on the Score North Twin Show feed, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find shows. But the thing that he said that stood out to me, because he's a plugged in guy, was if these guys are any good, they're not looking for work in June. And I thought, yes and no. Like, of course, there's some you know, extenuating circumstances. You can't just say this guy's not a major leaguer, but his point was, if you're so good, those circumstances don't pull you down, right? They, you overlook that and sign him. So I'm left to wonder, do teams in the analytics era just not think Dallas Keuchel is that good going on 31? Do they think that Craig Kimbrell and his sort of down postseason, do they think he's not that good right now? I don't think it's that simple. I think it's that coupled with asking price at the time, coupled with compensation, which has now become a big deal. And I, I think it's numerous factors all put together. And yes, in Keiko's case, I, I think there's a fear if he can stay healthy. And in Kimbrell's case, the playoffs weren't good. And when Kimbrell basically came out initially, I think his uh, representation was looking for five years, 100 million plus. No one in their right mind is paying that, right? Well, yeah, maybe that's you see, ridiculous. You see why he'd ask for it, though. You look at the Aroldis Chapman contract, sure, but then you got to come off that very quickly. Sure, Mark Melanson. So I got think it's paid. a combination Kenley of things. Jansen. But if Kimbrel right now is talking to teams, there are in both leagues. There's what Derek five good cases, 
For the starter or the no, closer? No, for uh, I could the name closer. a dozen teams that should sign Craig Kimbrell if he's but, good. But if he's but if he is saying I'm going to the place where I can step in and win, sure, Minnesota, right? Um, Milwaukee, maybe. Yep. You North know, side of Chicago, Atlanta. Yeah, the Cubs, the Braves. Yep. But this the Rays? is, but this, yeah, but this Rays is, would be interesting. the Rays would be, but I think if I'm Kimbrell, I, I think in, in the American League, the only teams that would really intrigue me right now are the Twins, the Yankees, if they pursued me would, because uh, the, the wild card is going to be some not good teams. So in the American League, there's not a lot of teams, if I'm Kimbrell, that I'm super excited to to sign with because if I do it now, I want a really good chance at the playoffs again. Really yeah. good chance. Yeah, and it's ultimately what does he what does he want? What does he want? Is it money? Is it years? Is it winning? Is it the ninth inning guaranteed to him? That's another question. You know, this whole thing has probably been a bit of an ego check. I would think. I mean, I, I am of the camp that wants to see good players get paid. So this has been sort of tough for me from the outside for years and years and years in the stats community. We talked about like, oh, efficiency. That's an efficient way to spend your dollar. And now I see Jorge Polanco get ripped off on a contract and go play like an AL MVP. And it's like, ooh. It was, that was his decision. I, of course these it guys, was. These guys are doing that. Of course it was. But I do you think that the information was balanced at the time that that contract was signed? I think no way. Which is why you don't sign it. Right, sure. It's why right, it's exactly. why a guy like Buxton's going to tell you to buzz off. My point being that if I'm a, a fan of baseball, I want to see Craig Kimbrell employed, mm-hmm. and 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 then it swung so far, and and teams are run by these guys now that are, well, yeah, he's good, but like, how how much better is he than pitcher X? How how much better is Craig Kimbrell than Blake Parker? How, how much better is his 2019, 2020, and 2021 seasons than what we could get on the waiver wire? And, and and I don't know where that evaluation sits with most teams, including the Twins. But I got to think, if he's so demonstrably better, he would have had the paycheck by now. And, he, you know, you would, put, you would put him on some huge contract coming into the winter. But then when it was clear that wasn't happening, you would have put him at a more reasonable sum and said, all right, this is done. Bryce got done. Manny got done. Let's go play baseball. And these two guys, they still haven't. If Kimbrell comes to you and you're the twins and he wants three years at this point, $45 million, do you say yes or no? I'll say I'll prorate the first year. I want the second year guaranteed. And the third year is my option. I'm in the driver's seat now. If I'm the twins and he wants to handpick his team and he wants $45 million, so I'd give him whatever the equivalent there is, 30, $35 million or whatever over three years. But that third year, I want the option to say, see you later if you go Addison Reed on the bit. Are you more comfortable uh, trading for a starter and signing Kimbrell? Or or would you ultimately, if you were the Twins, make a trade and give up prospects in two deals? One for a guy from out of the bullpen and one for a starter. I wish I knew what the the team's evaluation of Craig Kimbrell is. But if I think he's just ordinary or like good, but he's not fifty percent strikeout and I'll say rate, you're going to lose five prospects total. Oh uh, yeah, in, in trades, I think I'll do that. I think I'll trade five prospects and that for might be two it. arms, two impact arms that's pushing everybody else down. Maybe ERA leader Jake Odorizzi gets to start game one, but game two, I need a starter that's not on this roster right now, and I want a bullpen arm that's going to be pitching two, the ninth. Bullpen two, it's huge. Pair you, him with Taylor Rogers. Exactly. Yep, and you've got a series like this is fun. And you're going to play a Houston or Yankees, and guess what? In both of those cases, 
you can't get by with, we thought it was good enough. You need, we nope. know, and, and that doesn't mean the guys won't fail, but you've got to go into those games and series with the attitude of, we are putting this team in the ultimately best position to win. And that's how you go to Yankee Stadium and win games. Exactly right. You should have listened to the bus driver in June when he was telling you this thing wasn't good enough. Judd's got World Series attitude, and I like I'm it. I'm looking at the gauges, too. I'm looking at all the gauges. You're paying attention to the necessary components. That's what we do on the Score North First Place Twin Show. We'll come back. I, I hear there's some Miguel Sano scuttlebutt brewing in the Score North offices. We'll talk about that next, maybe with a couple of friends. For Judd's All Get at Manny Hill, I'm Derek Wetmore. We'll talk to you in a minute. I've become a fan of baseball and everything you need to know about how baseball works. And it might get a little crazy, but let's get straight to it. Whoever scores the most runs wins. It's the Score North Twin Show. Twins coverage on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. High and deep to right. That ball carrying Heredia to the wall. And it is in play. Polanco will score. Sano to second with a double. Rosario to third base. The, sh- the show's being hijacked. All right, what's going on here? The show's being hijacked. We're gonna we're bringing in Matthew Collar. A little, little crossover for Purple Daily. Phil Mackey here, and uh, you guys have. This has been an amazing score. First place twin show, by the way. A little Thank bit you. of a uh, little bit of uh, everything today. You're sitting next to the bus driver, by the way. The, I took the over the bus. bus driver. You're looking, I at took him. over the bus. Yeah. Well, uh, the guy sitting on that Bomba bus, he's, I don't know, what's he weigh, about 270 now, 265, Miguel Sano, somewhere in there? Oh, is <laughs> that's that's you're talking about Matthew Collar for a second, I was going to say, <laughs> no, he's well, that big. Uh, no, well, let's, let's take, Manny, let's fire up an episode here of, uh, of one of our favorite uh, ep- uh, hot take cops here, as it this falls under. Because over the weekend... Miguel Sano. Cops is recorded on location yeah, with the men and women of sports talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in hot take court. All right. So Miguel Sano yesterday goes three for three. A uh, bunch of hits. He had uh, another hit and a double on uh, the game on June 1st. His OPS is up to 1,036 on the season. A month into it for him, or three weeks, and we're just going to play a quick snippet here, Matthew Kyle. If you could just hang tight for one second with your Diet Dr. Pepper there, okay? Let's play a clip here from about a month ago on Score North. This is a guy who's approaching 26 years old, who's honestly for a first baseman production for his last three years is totally replaceable, and we keep arguing that he's going to be some freaking 50 home run hitter. But the I don't understand I, this. He's not that good. Re- he can't play third base. He strikes out constantly. He's never had a 900 OPS in a game in a season where he's had 100 games. He makes one All Star game, and everybody falls all over themselves. When will we ever stop in this town believing that guys are going to be what we? thought they were going to be when they show us they're not. Miguel Sano is back to being the Miguel Sano we thought he was going to be a few years ago after dropping some weight. And we brought Matthew Collar in here, A, to apologize to the masses. This is an intervention for you. The floor is yours to apologize hmm. for your comments about Miguel Sano. Uh, okay, and admit that you were um, wrong, Matthew Collar. Don't think that that's going to happen here, Phil. Uh, I thought you said we were just going to politely discuss this. Not that I was going to apologize after oh, you'll, 13 you, you're, games. You're going to politely apologize to the audience. No, I'm not. For I, your hot so, take about, about so, M- let, Miguel Sano. Well, wait, let's go back through that. Um, I said in a season where he's played over 100 games, what 
do we got now? 13. So he's played 13% of the amount of games that we talked about. Is he and, doubling down right now? You know, I am absolutely doubling down on this Miguel Sano take. I said his uh, production is replaceable. You guys heard of a guy named C.J. Crone? Where did they get C.J. Crone? Off the waiver wire. Oh, a first baseman who you can bring in and hit home runs for an incredibly cheap price. As opposed to a guy that you have invested all these years in, you're making Skype calls down to the Dominican to make sure that he's eating his bananas and everything else down there, his his fruit, his apples, his oranges. You're just making sure the guy is sticking to salads and not steaks. I mean, all the things that they've had to put into this guy to even get him to this point. And he gets 13 games where he's halfway decent, and we've decided that Miguel Sano is now a superstar and that he's fixed. I mean, this is the same guy that made an all-star game in 2017. And then the next year ends up playing at single a by midway through the season. And I mean, I don't understand how we're deciding already since he's gotten off to a halfway decent start, still striking out 35% of the time that we're all set now. And he's just a great player. Here's how I look at it. I think it's fair to say, I think it's fair to say two things. I agree we shouldn't judge him off of the first three weeks of this season because Lou Ford hit 400 in April of 2000, whatever it was, four. And we thought Lou Ford was a franchise player. On the, So you need, to give, you need to give baseball players more than one month to show what they can or can't do. So I'm with you on the small sample size for this year. But if you look at Miguel Sano through 1,600 plate appearances, which is like that's in the old Tom Kelly range of you need one, was it 1,000 to 1,500, something like yeah. that, plate appearances? Before you know what you have is. in a player. And so I think it's fair to say he lacks durability. I think it's fair to say he's been overweight for the majority of his career. And I think it's also fair to say, factually correct to say, that he strikes out at an historically high rate, only second to Joey Gallo, who, by the way, would maybe win the MVP award if he was playing on a, a better team. And, uh, well, they're winning some games. But Miguel Sano, for his career, 1,600 plate appearances, is a well-above-average offensive contributor. Even with the strikeouts, he has a higher... I'm going to use weighted on-base average, okay? Is that okay, Derek? Weighted on-base average? The Twins use weighted on-base average. Smart teams use weighted on-base average. The bus driver of the Bomba bus is okay with weighted on-base average, so I'd say it's okay. Judd just heard average and doesn't know what the weighted on-base part is, and that's okay. All right, It's a better, more descriptive version of OPS. He has a higher career weighted on base average. Just I'm just going to go contemporaries, last 15 years, than Evan Longoria, Johnny Damon, Raul Ibanez, Torrey Hunter, Miguel Tejada, Ian Kinsler. He's an incomplete player. He is an above average, very good offensive player with room to grow. So the room to grow part is interesting because I think when you get a guy to about this age that they're going to be who they are in Major League Baseball. We have a tendency in the Twin Cities here to say that people are young until they're 33. And we've done this with your guy Andrew Wiggins uh, with the Minnesota Timberwolves where it's like he's still young, he's still young. And hey, they played Oklahoma City in a home at home and he put up 40 points in both games and he's fixed and now Ryan Saunders is going to be the guy that fixes him. No, Jimmy Butler is going to be the guy that fixes him. We do the same thing with Miguel Sano, where he shows up and he's got a section of time where he's really fantastic, makes an all-star game, is dangerous at the plate, and then he dips off. But the, the part about those other players that you mentioned, a lot of them, I'm going through my head and I'm going, okay, Evan Longoria, but that's a third baseman who was an elite defensive player at the time. If we're talking about the overall value of the player, we have a guy who cannot, as at least so far, cannot be trusted to stay healthy 
and even just avoid any sort of issue, right? I mean, whether it's the weight or whether it's any off the field stuff or just showing a a commitment through an entire season. We have not seen that from him, a healthy full year where he is entirely committed. So I have still a lot of questions despite 13 decent games, but the point that you're making what is the positional value of a guy like this? The comparison that I made in that rant that we're calling me out for was Chris Carter, the big burly guy who hit 40 home runs. Like I compared him to a 40 home run hitter, but a guy that you could just find. I would compare him to CJ Crone and say, look, CJ Crone is good at first base, so he's better. And they found him out of nowhere. I mean, this is not a guy that you should be investing a ton into anymore. It's somebody that I still don't trust. And I certainly don't want up at the plate in the biggest times of a game because of how much he strikes out. But can I find a first baseman who hits bombs, especially now? I mean, my gosh, everyone can hit home runs now. I could throw Mitch Garver at first base and he would hit just the same way that Miguel Sano is hitting. It's in terms of your replacement for that position for a big bopper at first base. Is this guy worth the hassle? Not so far. He hasn't done anything close to prove to me that he is worth the issues that he has caused along his entire he's, career. He's still cheap, and I'd love Judd and Derek's thoughts here on this because the, the 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 quote in question here from the clip we played a few weeks ago was Miguel Sano is not good at baseball. It was this was the summation? I think that was even a verbatim thing that you said in that clip. And I think a guy who has shown to be, in his first 1,500 plate appearances, to be a well-above-average offensive contributor, I think it's incorrect to say that he's not good at baseball. I think you can say he shouldn't be a third baseman long-term. I think you can say he should learn how to stay on the field for 150 games. And those are all true. But if you took the, the durability aside and just said, is he skillful with a bat in his hand? 162-game pace, he's a 40-home run hitter. He's a 40-home run hitter. You have to play 162 games to actually hit those 40 home runs. And I'll grant you that. I'll grant you that. I mean, is he a guy who has a ton of power because he's big and giant and has crazy bat speed? Of course he is. Is he dangerous at the plate that he could hit a home run at any time? Yes. But is he completely replaceable? And are there 25, 30 other players like him? Are there guys in the triple A who come up and hit a bunch of home runs to play first base and strike out a ton, don't hit for a very high average, don't get on base at a particularly great rate because they're striking out so often? These guys are all over the place. I mean, another one that comes to mind is Mark Reynolds. What was it, Milwaukee or Colorado? Somebody picked up Mark Reynolds a year or two ago, and he gives him 30 bombs, tons of strikeouts, pick him up for nothing. Yes, he's cheap for now, but he's not cheap in terms of the amount of effort that they've had to put into this player. And my point is, especially with what they have now for the rest of the roster, no more of that, right? Like, sure, if he's your number 7 hitter and he's and he hits 30 home runs and strikes out like crazy, that's fine. That's all right. He could be your seven hitter. When he was talked about as being one of the franchise players, and at the time that we're having that conversation, we're talking more about for this team to maximize their ability, they need to know to be a franchise player. Well, we now know that not to be true. And my point is, if I could just replace him with C.J. Crone or Mark Reynolds or whoever the heck I could find to hit a few home runs and strike out a ton, then really he's not that great of a player and not worth the hassle. But here's the beauty. You get all season to use him for cheap. To bat him seventh, he's been batting seventh the whole season, and tell him just go hit bombs and stay on the field as much as you can, and we'll deal with whether or not we want you around long term in the winter. The, time. Co- the question is long term. Do you trust him? My answer is no. So I I hope that he goes great guns and hits a ton of bombs, and then guess what? 
December comes, I trade him. I just think it's hilarious every time he every time he hits a home run or a single up the middle, Matthew Collar gets a thousand tweets from that rant that took place. Which is the least surprising thing. And I mostly just I just mostly just want ten thousand people to tweet at him today at Matthew Collar. That's at Matthew Collar (laughs) on Twitter. And and that's that's fine. Hashtag engagement. But I would also say, look, this guy hasn't even played a football season yet so far this year. And Look at some of the teams now hitting one off the Rays. And I will admit, I will admit this to Miguel Sano. He got robbed he by got a speaker. He got him. robbed by a speaker. Again. So if you want to add one home run to his total, go ahead. I will agree with you. He got robbed by a speaker in, in Tampa Bay. And that is a bleep show of a stadium. But a lot of these home runs, I mean, Angels, Mariners, teams that are giving up home runs in droves. It's like, okay, Man. I'm going to need to see a lot more here. And I also don't expect him to hit for a very high average or get on base because he's still striking out at the same exact rate. That tells me not a lot has changed. And he's a type of guy. Jeff Passon, this is what sticks with me. Jeff Passon called him a ticking time bomb. And that's all I look at him is like right now it's going fine. There have been plenty of other three, four month periods where it's going fine, but the guy is a ticking time bomb. And I'm with Judd that I do not trust that he's going to be anywhere close to what we expected him to be for years. Yeah, he's a ticking time bomb. For, so I haven't. For, I, for, I, I'm for not Bombas. apologizing. Bombas have not changed soda. the opinion. He's a it's exactly time the same as the Rams. For Bombas, we'll Bombas. check back in after 15 more home runs before the All Star break. But Miguel Sano, uh, what's coming up on Purple Daily next, Matthew? Uh, Some more terrible gonna... hot takes. <laughs> Uh, hot takes, yes. Terrible, no. Uh, we're going to talk about alternate reality versions of the Vikings offseason and talk play actions with Ted Wynn of the Woo-hoo! Athletic. Football, Football, fellas. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A do operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.